to a reason to talk with Chris Reason back with another serial killer murderer story. This time, the legendary Jack the Ripper. Before we get into this notorious murderer, let's hear from today's sponsor. Check out Chris Reason Network's Whatnot page for live auctions of Funko Pops, video games, and more. Visit whatnot.com slash user slash Chris Reason Network. That's whatnot.com slash user slash Chris Reason Network. Bookmark the next live show to be part of the auctions. There are giveaways as well on every show. And to join the giveaways, you have to follow the page. Uh, pretty much once the giveaway comes up and you hit follow, you're good to go. So go ahead and follow. That's whatnot.com slash user slash Chris Reason Network. Whatnot.com slash user slash Chris Reason Network. Jack the Ripper was an unidentified serial killer active in the improvised districts. Sorry, impoverished districts. I can't read today. Uh, and in around Whitechapel on the east end of London in 1888. In both criminal cases... File, or criminal case files and the contemporary journalistic accounts, the killer was called the Whitechapel Murderer and the Leather Apron. Attacks ascribed to Jack the Ripper typically involved female prostitutes who lived and worked in the slums of the East End of London. Their throats were cut prior to abdominal mutilations. The removal of internal organs from at least three of the victims led to the proposals that their killer had some anatomical or surgical knowledge. Rumors that the murderers, uh, murders were connected intensified in September and October of 1888, and numerous letters were received by media outlets and Scotland Yard from individuals purporting uh, to be the murderer. The name Jack the Ripper originated in a letter written by an individual claiming to be the murderer that was dis, uh, disseminated in the media. The letter is widely believed to have been a hoax and may have been written by journalists in an attempt to heighten interest in the story and increase their newspaper circulation. The From Hell letter received by George Lusk of the Whitechapel Vigilance Committee came with half of a preserved human kidney purportedly uh, taken from one of the victims. The public came increasingly to believe in a single serial killer known as Jack the Ripper, mainly because of the, f uh, the extraordinary brutal nature of the murders and media coverage of the crimes. In the mid-19th century, Britain experienced an influx of Irish immigrants who sw uh, swelled the populations of the major cities, including the east end of London. From 1882, Jewish refu refugees fleeing pogroms in, uh, oh, I can't pronounce words today, Tsarist Russia, and other areas of Eastern Europe migrated into the same area. The parish of Whitechapel in London's East End became increasingly overcrowded, with the population increasing to approximately 80,000 inhabitants by 1888. Work and housing conditions worsened, and a significant economic underclass developed. 55% of children born in the East End died before they were even five years old. That's a fucking high, high percentage rate, especially for not even living five years old. Rob mind you, it was late 1800s. Robbery, violence, and alcohol dependency were commonplace, and in the endemic poverty drove many women to prostitution to survive on a daily basis. If surviving on prostitution, yet the fact that where's the money coming from if nobody has money? In October 1888, London, London's Metropolitan Police Service estimated that there were 62 brothels and 1,200 women working as prostitutes in Whitechapel, with approximately 8,500 people residing in the 233 common lodging houses within Whitechapel every night, with the nightly price for a single bed being four pence, eight 
uh, or four pence and the cost of sleeping upon uh, a lean-to or hangover rope stretch across the uh, dormitory being two pence per person. The economic, uh, econ- economic, wow, problems, I can't talk anymore, uh, in Whitechapel were accompanied by a steady rise in social tensions. Between 1886 and 1889, frequent demonstrations led to the, to the police intervention and public un- unrest such as Bloody Sunday in 1887, anti-Semitism, crime, nativ- nativism, racism, social disturbance, and severe deprivation, inf- uh, deprivation influenced public pr- uh, perceptions that Whitechapel was a notorious den of immortality. Uh, immorality, sorry. Such perceptions were strengthened in the autumn of 1888 when a series of vicious and grotesque murders, murders attributed to Jack the Ripper received unprecedented coverage in the media. The large number of attacks against women in the East End during this time adds uncertainty to how many victims were murdered by the same individual. Eleven separate murders stretching from April 3, 1888 to February 13, 1891 were included in a London Metropolitan Police Service investigation and were known collectively in the police docket as the Whitechapel Murders. Opinions vary as to whether these murders should be linked to the same culprit, but five of the eleven Whitechapel murders, known as the uh, Canonical Five, are widely believed to be the work of the Ripper. Most experts point to deep slash wounds to the throat, followed by extensive abdominal and genital area mutilation, the removal of uh, internal organs, and progressive facial mutilations as the distinctive features of the Ripper's modus modus operandi. I probably butchered that. First two cases in the Whitechapel murders files, those of Emma Elizabeth Smith and Martha Tabram, are not included in the canonical five. Smith was robbed and sexually assaulted in Osborne Street, Whitechapel, at approximately 1.30 a.m. on April 3, 1888, she had been bludgeoned about the face and received a cut to her ear. A blunt object was also inserted into her vagina, rupturing her uh, peritoneum. Uh, she developed, uh, per- wow, there's a lot of words, peritonitis, per- sorry if I butchered this, peritonitis, and died by the following day at a London hospital. Smith stated that she had been attacked by two or three men, one of whom she described as a teenager. This attack uh, was linked to the later murders by the press, but most author- authors attribute Smith's murder to the General East End gang violence unrelated to the uh, Ripper case. Tabram was murdered on a staircase landing in George Yard, Whitechapel, on 7th August of 1888. She had suffered 39 stab wounds to her throat, lungs, heart, liver, spleen, stomach, and abdomen, with additional knife wounds inflicted uh, to her breast and vagina. All but one of Tabram's wounds had been inflicted uh, with a bladed instrument such as a pen knife. Uh, And with one possible exception, all the wounds had been inflicted by a right-handed individual. Tabram had not been raped. The the savagery of this murder, that lack of an uh, obvious motive, and the closeness of the location and date to the later canonical Ripper murders led the police to link this murder to those later committed by Jack the Ripper. However, this murder differs from the later canonical murders because there, uh, although Tabram had been repeatedly stabbed, she had not suffered any slash wounds to her throat or abdomen. Many experts do not connect Tabram's murder with the later murders because of this difference uh, in the wound pattern. The canonical five Ripper victims are Mary Ann Nicholas, Annie Chapman, Elizabeth Stride, Catherine Eddowes, and Mary Jane Kelly. The body of Mary Ann Nicholas was discovered at about 3.40 in the morning 
on Friday, 31st, August 1888, in Bucks Row, now Duran Street, Whitechapel. Nicholas had last been seen alive approximately one hour before the discovery of her body by uh, Mrs. Holland, Emily Holland, with whom she had previously shared a bed at a common lodging house in Thrall Street, Spitalfield, walking in the direction of the Whitechapel Road. Her throat was severed by two deep cuts, one of which completely severed all the tissue down the, to the vertebrae. Her vagina had been stabbed twice, and the lower part of the, her abdomen was partly ripped open by a deep, jagged wound, causing her bowels to protrude. Several other incisions inflict, inflicted to both sides of her abdomen had also been caused by the same knife. Each of these wounds have been inflicted in a downward-thrusting manner. One week later, on Saturday, 8, September 8, 1888, the body of Annie Chapman was discovered by approximately 6 a.m. near the steps in the, to the doorway of the backyard of 29 Henbury Street, Spitalfields. As in the case of Mary Ann Nicholas, the throat was severed by two deep cuts. Her abdomen had been cut entirely open with a section of the flesh from her stomach being placed upon her left shoulder and another section of the skin and flesh plus her small intestines being removed and placed above her right shoulder. Chapman's autopsy also revealed that her uterus and section of her bladder and vagina had been removed. At the inquest into Chapman's murder, Elizabeth Long described having seen Chapman standing outside 29 Hanbury Street at about 5.30 a.m. in the company of a dark-haired man wearing a brown deer stalker hat and dark overcoat and, a, and of a shabby gent gentle appearance. According to the, uh, this eyewitness, he, uh, the man had asked Chapman the question, Will you? To which Chapman had replied, Yes. Elizabeth Stride and Catherine Eddowes were both killed in the early morning hours of Sunday 30th, September 1888. Stride's body was discovered at approximately 1 a.m. in Dutfield's yard off Burner Street, now Hen uh, Henrik's Street in Whitechapel. The cause of death was a single clear-cut incision measuring six inches across her neck, which had severed her left carotid artery and her trachea before terminating beneath uh, her right jaw. The absence of any further mutilations to her body has led to uncertainty as to whether Stride's murder was committed by the Ripper or whether he was interpreted during the attack. Several witnesses later informed police they had seen Stride in the company of a man in or close to Burner Street on the evening of the 29th September and in the early hours of 30th September. But uh, each gave different, differing descriptions. Some said that they, or her companion was fair, others dark. Some said that he was shabbily dressed, others well-dressed. A Dow's body was found in a corner of Meter Square uh, in the city of London three-quarters of an hour after the discovery of the body of Elizabeth Stride. Her throat was severed from ear to ear, and her abdomen ripped open by a long, deep, and jagged wound. Before her intestines had been placed over her right shoulder, with a section of intestine being completely detached and placed between her body and left arm. The left kidney and the major part of Adao's uterus had been removed, and her face had been disfigured. With her nose severed, her cheeks slashed, and cuts measuring a quarter of an inch and a half inch and a half an inch respectively vertically incised through each of her eyelids a triangular incision uh, the apex of which pointed towards a Dow's eye had also been carved upon each of her cheeks and a section of the auricle uh, and lobe of her right ear has late, was later recovered from her clothing the police surgeon who conducted the post mortem upon Adele's body 
stated his opinion was uh, these mutilations would have taken at least five minutes to complete. A local cigarette salesman named Joseph London Bond had passed through the square with two friends shortly before the murder, and he described seeing a fair-haired man of shabby appearance with a woman who have been uh, who may have been a doubt. Lon's companions were unable to confirm his description. The murders of Stride and Dow's ultimately became known as the double event. A section of a Dow's bloodied apron was found at the entrance uh, to a ten- uh, tenement in Golston Street, Whitechapel, at 2.55 a.m. A chalk inscription upon the wall di- uh, directly above this piece of apron read, The Jews are the men that will not be blamed for nothing. That's uh, J-U-W-E-S. This graffito became known as the Golston Street Graffito. The message appeared to imply that a Jew, or Jews in general, were responsible for the series of murders. But it is unclear where, whether the uh, graffito was written by, a murderer, by the murderer on dropping the section of apron or was merely incidental and nothing to do with the case. Such graffiti was commonplace in Whitechapel. Police Commissioner Charles Warren feared that the graffito might spark an anti-Semitic riots and ordered the writing washed away before dawn. The extensive mutilated and disemboweled body of Mary Jane Kelly was discovered lying in the bed in the single room where she lived at 13 Miller's Court off Dorset Street, uh, Spitalfields, at 10.45 a.m. on Friday the 9th, November 1888. Her face had been hacked beyond all recognition, with her throat severed down to the spine, and the abdomen almost emptied of its organs. Her uterus, kidneys, and one breast had been placed beneath her head, and other vice... uh, Viscera, viscera from her body well, I can read that uh, placed beside her foot and, and about the bed and sections of her abdomen and thighs upon a, bese- uh, a bedside table the heart was missing from the crime scene multiple ashes found within the fireplace at 13 Miller's Court suggested Kelly's murderer had burned several combustible items to eliminate the single room as he mutilated her body a recent fire had been sev- uh, severe enough to melt the soldier uh, between a, a solder uh, between a kettle and its spout, which had fallen into the grate of the fireplace, each of the ca- uh, canonical five murders was perpetrated at night, uh, on or close to a weekend, either at the end of a month or a week or so after. The mutilations became increasingly severe as the series of murders proceeded, except for the str- that of Stride, whose attacker may have been interrup- uh, interrupted. Nicholas was not missing at any organs. Chapman's uterus and sections of her bladder and vagina were taken. Dow's had her uterus and left kidney removed and her face mutilated, and Kelly's body was extensively eviscerated uh, with her face gashed in all directions and the tissue of her neck being severed to the bone, although the heart was the sole body uh, organ missing from the crime scene. Historically, the, the belief these five canonical murders were committed by the same perpetrator is derived from contemporary documents which link them together to the exclusion of others in 1894. Of others. In 1894, Sir Melville, uh, I'm going to butcher this last name right here, McNahan, McNahan, I don't know, Assistant Chief Const- uh, Constable of the Metropolitan Police Service had, and the head of the Criminal Investigation Department, the CID, wrote a report that stated that the Whitechapel murderer had vic- had five victims and five victims only. Similarly, the canonical five victims were linked together in a letter wh- written by police uh, surgeon Thomas Bond to Robert Anderson, head of the London CID, on November 10, 1888. 
Some researchers have posted that some of the murders were undoubtedly, undoubtedly the work of a single killer, but unknown larger number of killers acting independently were responsible uh, for the other crimes. Authors Stuart P. Evans and Donald Rumblow argue that the Canonical Five is a ripper myth and that the three cases of Nicholas Chapman and Dowes can be inde uh, definitely linked to the same perpetrator, but that less certainly exists as to whether Stride and Kelly were also murdered by the same individual. Uh, conversely, uh, others suppose that the six murders between Tabram Ke and Kelly were the work of a single killer. Dr. Uh, Percy Clark, uh, assistant to the examining pathologist um, George Bagster Phillips, linked only three of the murders and thought that the others were perpetrated by a weak-minded were perpetrated by weak-minded individuals, induced to uh, em emulate the crime. McNaughton uh, did not join the police force until the year after the murders, and his uh, memorandum contains serious factual errors and possible suspects. Mary Jane Kelly is uh, generally considered to be the Ripper's final victim, and is it assumed that the crimes ended because that the culprit's death, imprisonment, institutionalization—well, insta—I can't talk anymore—institutionalization or immigration, immigration. The Whitechapel murders filed details another four murders that occurred after the canonical five: those of Rose Millet, Alice McKenzie, the Pinchant Street Torso, and Francis Coles. The strangled body of 26-year-old Rose Millet, uh, Millet was found in Clark's Yard, High Street, popular on December 20th, 1888. The, uh, there was no sign of a struggle at the police, and the police believed that she had either accidentally hanged herself with her collar while in a drunken stupor or committed suicide. However, faint markings left by a cord on one side of her neck suggested Millet had been strangled. At the inquest into Millet's death, the injury returned a verdict of murder. Alice McKenzie was murdered shortly after midnight on July 17, 1889 in Castle Alley, Whitechapel. She had suffered two stab wounds to her neck and her left choroid artery had been severed. Several minor bruises and cuts were found on her body, which also bore a seven-inch long a uh, superficial wound extending from her left breast to her navel. One of these examining pathologists, Thomas Bond, believed that this to be a ripper murderer, though his victim's co uh, colleague, George... Uh, wait, I, I still read that wrong. Believed a ripper murderer, though his colleague, George <laughs> Baxter Phillips, sorry, who was examined the bodies of the three previous victims, disagreed. Opo uh, opinions among writers are also div uh, divided between those who suspect Mackenzie's murder copied the uh, murderer copied the modus operandi modus operandi of Jack Jack the Ripper to deflect suspicion from himself, and uh, those who ascribed this murder to Jack the Ripper. The Pynchon Street torso was a decomposing headless and legless torso of an unidentified woman in age between 30 and 40, discovered beneath a railway arc in Pynchon Street, Whitechapel, on 10 September 1889. Bruising about the victim's back, hip, and arm indicated the descendant, uh, decadent, uh, whatever, had been extensively beaten shortly before her death. The victim's abandoned uh, abdomen, sorry, was also extensively mutilated. Although her genitals had not been wounded, she appeared to have been killed approximately one day prior to the discovery of her torso. The dismembered sections of the body are believed to have been transported to the railway arc hidden underneath an old uh, chemise. 
At 2.15 a.m. on the 13th of February of 1891, P.C. Ernest Thompson discovered a 25-year-old prostitute named Frances Coles lying beneath a railway arc at Swallow Gardens, Whitechapel. Her throat had been deeply cut, but her body was not mutilated, leading some to believe Thompson had distributed her assist, uh, disturbed sorry, her assailant. Coles was still alive, uh, although she died before medical help could arrive. At 53-year-old Stoker, uh, 50-year-old stalker, uh, stalker James Thomas Sadler uh, had earlier been seen drinking with Coles, and the two are known to have argued approximately three hours before her death. Sadler was arrested by the police and charged with murder. He was briefly thought to be the Ripper, but was later discharged from the court of lack of evidence on 3rd uh, March 1891. In addition to the 11 Whitechapel murders, commentators have linked other attacks to the Ripper. In the case of Fairy Fay, it is unclear whether this attack was real or fabricated as part of the uh, Ripper lore. Fairy Fay was a nickname given to an unidentified woman whose body was allegedly found in a doorway close to a commercial road on December 26, 1887, after a stake had been thrust through her abdomen. But there were no re uh, recorded murders in Whitechapel at or around Christmas 1887. Fairy Fay seems to have been created through a confused press report of the murder of Emma, Emma Elizabeth Smith, who had stick, uh, who had a stick or other blunt object shoved into her vagina. Most other authors agree that the victim, very fairy Vey, never existed. A thirty-eight-year-old uh, widow named Annie Millwood, Millwood, was admitted to the Whitechapel Workhouse Infirmary with numerous stab wounds to her legs and a lower torso on 25th February of 1888. Informing staff, she had been attacked with a clasp knife by an unknown man. She was later discharged, but died from apparently natural causes on March 31st. Millwood was later pro uh, postulated to be the Ripper's first victim, although this attack cannot be definitively linked to the pre uh, perpetrator. Another suspended, uh, suspected pre-canonical victim was a young j uh, dressmaker named Ada Wilson, who reportedly survived being stabbed twice in the neck with a clasp knife upon the doorstep of her home in Bow on 28th March 1888. A further possible victim, 40-year-old Annie Farmer, resided at the same lodging house as Martha Tabram and reported an attack on November 21, 1888. She had received a superficial cut to her throat, although an unknown man with blood on his mouth and hands had run out of this lodging house, shouting, Look at what she has done! Before two eyewitnesses heard Farmer scream, her wound was light and possibly self-inflicted. The white... Uh, Hall mystery was a term co uh, coined for the discovery of a headless torso of a woman on October 2nd, 1888 in the basement of a new metropolitan, metropolitan police headquarters being built in Whitehall. An arm and a shoulder belong an arm and shoulder belonging to the body were previously discovered floating in the River Thames near Pimlico on September 11th, and the left leg was subsequently subsequently discovered buried near where the torso was found on October 17th. Other limbs uh, the other limbs and head were never recovered, and the body was never identified. The mutilations were similar to those in the Pynchon Street torso case, where the legs and head were severed, but not the arms. Both the Whitehall mystery and the Pynchon Street case may have been part of a series of murders known as the Thames Mysteries, committed by a single serial killer dubbed the Torso Killer. It is debatable whether Jack the Ripper and the Torso Killer were the same person or separate serial killers, active in the same area. The modus operandi of the Torso Killer um, differed from the, that of the Ripper, and police at the time discounted uh, any connection uh, between the two. Only one of the four victims linked the, uh, to the torso killer, Elizabeth Jackson, was ever identified. 
Jackson was a 24-year-old prostitute from Chelsea whose various body parts were collected from the River Thames over a three-week period between May 31st and June 25th of 1889. On December 18, or sorry, December 29th of 1888, the body of a seven-year-old boy named John Gill was found in a stable block in Manning, Manningham, uh, Bradford. Gill had been missing since December 27th. His legs had been severed, his abdomen opened, and his intestines partly drawn out, and his heart and, and one ear removed. Similarities with the Ripper murders uh, led to press uh, speculation that the Ripper had killed him. The boy's employer, 23-year-old milkman William Barrett, was, was twice arrested for the murder of Bud was uh, released due to insufficient evidence. No one was ever pro uh, prosecuted. Carrie Brown, nicknamed Shakespeare reportedly uh, for her habit of quoting Shakespeare's sonnets, was strangled with clothing and then mutilated with a knife on April 24, 1891 in New York City. Her body was found with a large tear through her groin area and a superficial cuts on her legs and back. No organs removed from the scene, though an ovary was found upon the bed, either purposely removed or unintentionally dislodged. At the time, the murder was compared to those of Whitechapel, or in Whitechapel, though the Metropolitan Police uh, eventually ruled out any connection. The vast majority of the city of London police files uh, re relating... Uh, to their investigation into the Whitechapel murders were destroyed in the uh, Blitz. The surviving Metropolitan Police fo uh, files allow a detailed view of investigated procedures in the Victorian era. A large team of policemen uh, con conducted house-to-house -house inquiries throughout Whitechapel. A forensic material was collected and examined. Suspects were identified, traced, and either examined more closely or eliminated from the inquiry. Modern police work follows the same pattern. More than 2,000 people were interviewed. Upwards of 300 people were investigated, and 80 people were detained. Following the murders of Stride and Dowes, the commissioner of the city police, Sir James Fraser, offered a reward of 500 pounds for the arrest of Ripper. The investigation was initially conducted by the Metropolitan Police Whitechapel, a division, H Division Crime Investigation Department, CID, uh, headed by Detective Inspector Edmund Reed. After the murder of Nicholas, Detective Inspectors Frederick Aberline, Henry Moore, and Walter Andrews were sent from the central office at Scotland Yard to assist. The City of London police were involved under Detective Inspector James McWilliam after a Dow's murder, which occurred the, within the City of London. The overall direction of the murder inquiries were was hampered and by the fact that the newly appointed head of the CID, Robert Anderson, was on leave in Switzerland between September 7th and October 6th during the time when Chapman, Stride, and Dallas were killed. This prompted the Metropolitan Police Commissioner, Sir J uh, Charles Warren, to appoint Chief Inspector Donald Swanson to coordinate the inquiry from Scotland Yard. Butchers, slaughterers, surgeons, and physicians were suspected because of the manner of the mutilations. A surviving note from Major uh, Henry Smith, acting commissioner of the city police, indicates that the uh, alibis of local butchers and slaughterers were investigated with the result that they were eliminated from the inquiry. A report from Inspector Swanson to the Home Office confirms that 76 butchers and slaughterers were visited and that the inquiry encompassed all their employees for the previous six months. Some contemporary figures, including Queen Victoria, thought that the pattern of the murderers in Murders indicate, indicated that the culprit was a butcher or a cattle drover on the one end of cattle boats that piled, uh, that plied between London and mainland Europe. Whitechapel was close to the London docks, and, and usually such boats docked on those uh, on Thursday and Friday, 
or Friday, and departed on Saturday or Sunday. The cattle boats were examined, but the dates of the murderers did not conceded with the single boat's movements by and the transfer of a crewman between boats it was also ruled out. In September 1888, a group of uh, volunteer citizens in London's East End formed the Whitechapel Vigilance Committee that patro- they patrolled the streets looking for suspicious characters, partly because of distance, dissatisfaction with the failure of police to apprehend the perpetrator, and also because some members were concerned that the murders were affecting business businesses in the area. The committee pre- uh, petitioned the government to raise a, r- a reward for information leading to the arrest of the killer, offered their own reward of £50 for information leading to his capture, and hired private detectives to question witnesses independently. At the end of October, Robert Anderson asked police surgeon Thomas Bond to give his opinion on the extent of the murderer's surgical skill and knowledge. The opinion offered by Bond on the character of the Whitechapel murderer is that the earliest surviving offender profile. Bond's assessment uh, was based on the own examination of the most extensively mutilated victim and the post-mortem notes of the f- uh, from the four previous canonical murders. He wrote, All five murderers no doubt were committed by the same hand. In the first four, uh, the throats appear to have been cut from left to right. In the, uh, in the last case, owing to the extensive mutilation, it is impossible to say what direction the fatal cut was made. But arch- uh, the arterial blood was found on the wall and splashes close to where the woman's head w- must have been lying. Although the circumstances surrounding the murders lead me to form the opinion that the woman must have been lying down when murdered, and in every case, the throat was first cut. Bond was strongly opposed to the idea that the murderer uh, possessed any kind of scientific or entomological knowledge, or even the technical knowledge of a butcher or a horse slaughterer. In his opinion, this killer must have been a man of solitary habits subject to periodical attacks of homicidal and erotic mania, with uh, the character of the mutilations possibly indicating obsetoriasis, uh, like Bond also stated that he that the homicidal impulse may have uh, developed from a revengeful or brooding condition of the mind, or that the or that religious mania may have been in the, the original disease, but uh, disease. But I do not think either hypothesis is likely. There is no evidence that the perpetrator engaged in sexual activity with any of the victims, yet psychologists suppose that the penetration of the victims with a knife and leaving them on display in a sexually degrading positions with the wounds exposed indicates that the perpetrator derived sexual pleasure from the attacks. This view is cha- challenged by others who dismiss such hypotheses as insupportable suppositions. In addition to the contradictions and unreliability of contemporary accounts, attempts to identify the murderer are hampered by the lack of any surviving forensic evidence. DNA analysis on extant letters is inconclusive. The available material has been handled by many uh, times as too contaminated to provide meaningful results. These have been mutilated mutually incompatible claims that the DNA evidence points conclusively to different uh, suspects and the methodology of both has been criticized. The concentration of the killings um, around weekends and public holidays and within a short distance of each other has indicated to many that the Ripper was, a regular employ- was in regular employment and lived locally. Others have opined uh, that the killer was an educated upperclassman, possibly a doctor or an, or an aristocrat who ventured into Whitechapel from a more well-to-do area. Such theories draw uh, on 
uh, cultural uh, perceptions such as fear of the medical profession, a mistrust of modern science, or the exploitation of the poor by the rich. The term ripperology was coined to describe the study and analysis of the Ripper case in an effort to determine his identity. The murderers have inspired numerous works of fiction. Suspects proposed years after the murderers include virtually any uh, one remotely connected to the case by contemporary documents, as well as any, many famous names who were never considered in the police investigation, including a member of the British royal family, an artist, and a physician. Everyone alive at the time is now long dead, and modern authors are free to accuse anyone without any need for any supporting historical evidence. Suspects named in contemporary police documents include three in Sir Melville uh, Mechanics' 1894 memorandum. Thank you, whatever. But the evidence uh, against each of these individuals is, at best, circumstantial. There are many varied theories about the actual identity uh, and profession of Jack the Ripper, but authorities are not uh, agreed upon any of them. And the number of named suspects, named suspects reaches over 100. Despite continued interest in the case, the Ripper's identity remains unknown. Over the course of the Whitechapel murders, the police, newspapers, and other individuals received hundreds of letters regarding the case. Some letters were well-intentioned uh, offers of advice as to how to catch the killer, but the vast majority were either hoaxes or generally useless. Hundreds of letters claimed to have been written by the killer himself, and three of these in particular in prominent the Dear Boss letter, the Saucy Jack E. postcard, and the uh, From Hell letter. The Dear Boss letter dated September 25th and postmarked September 27th, 1888, was received that day by the Central News Agency, and was forwarded to Scotland Yard on the 29th of September. Initially, it was considered a hoax, but when Endowes was found three days after the letters postmarked, with a section of one ear obibically cut sorry, from her body, the promise uh, of the author to clip the lady's six ears off gained attention. Endowes' ears uh, appears to be have been nicked by the killer, and incidentally, during his attack, that the letter letters threat to send the ears to the police was never carried out. The name Jack the Ripper was first used in this letter by the signatory and gained worldwide notoriety after this publication. Most of the letters followed copy, uh, f that followed copied this letter's tone, with some authors ado uh, adopting pseudonyms such as uh, George of the High Rip, High Rip Gang. Some uh, sources claim that another letter dated September 17, 1888 was the first to use the name Jack the Ripper, but most experts believe that this was a fake inserted into police records in the 20th century. The Saucy, Jack post Saucy Jackie postcard was postmarked October 1, 1888 and was received the same day by the Central News Agency. The handwritten was similar to the Dear Boss letter and mentioned the canonical murders committed on September 30th, with, uh, which the author refers to by writing double event this time. It has been argued that the postcard was posted before the murderers were pub uh, publicized, uh, making it unlikely that, the cr that a crank would hold such knowledge of the crime. However, it was postmarked more than 24 hours after the killings occurred, long after details of the murderers were known and publicized by journalists, and it had become general community gossip by the residents of the Whitechapel. Or of Whitechapel, sorry. The From Hell letter was received by George Luss, leader of Whitechapel Vigilance Committee, on October 16, 1888. The handwriting and style is unlike the that of the Dr. Boss letter and Saucy Jackie postcard. The letter came with a small box in which Luss discovered half of a human kidney, 
preserved in spirits of wine, ethanol. Uh, Adele's left kidney had been removed by the killer. Uh, the writer claimed that he fried and ate the missing kidney half. There is disagreement over the kidney. Some contend that it belonged to Adele's, while others argue that it was a, a, macabre, a macabre practical joke. The kidney was examined by Dr. Thomas Openshaw of the London Hospital, who determined that it was human and from the left side, but cont uh, contrary to false uh, newspaper reports, he could not determine any of the other biological char characteristics. Openshaw essentially also received a letter signed Jack the Ripper. We will be right back for more into Jack the Ripper after this sponsor. Are you a poetry fan? Fan of poetry that's dark, down-to-earth, and realistic? Then check out my book, Nostalgic Memories, A Book of Dreams and Nightmares, this poem, available now on Amazon. Get the book either in paperback version of for $14.99 or the Kindle version for $9.99. Available today. That's Nostalgic Memories, A Book of Dreams and Nightmares as poems. Scotland Yard published uh, wow, fashion releases of the Dear Boss Letter and the postcard on three, uh, October 3rd in the ultimately vain hope that a member of the public would recognize the handwriting. Charles Warren explained in a letter to Godfrey Lushington, permanent undersecretary of state of the Home Department, I th for the Home Department, I think the whole thing a hoax, but of course we are bound to try and assert certain the writer in any case. On October 7th, 1888, George R. S excuse me, Sims in the Sunday newspaper re referee implied uh, scathingly that the letter was written by a journalist to hurl the circulation of a newspaper sky high. Police officials later claimed to have identified a specific journalist as the author of both the Dr. Boss letter and the, and the postcard. The journalist was identified as Tom Bullen in a letter from Chief Inspector John Lith Littlechild to George R. Sims dated September 23, 1913. A journalist named Fred Best reportedly confessed in, in 1931 that he and a colleague at the Star had written the letter signed Jack the Ripper to heighten interest in the murderers and keep the business alive. The Ripper murderers mark an important water, uh, watershed in the treatment of crime by journalists. Jack the Ripper was not the first serial killer, but in the, his case was the first to create a worldwide media frenzy. The Elementary Education Act of 1880, which had extended upon a previous act, made school attendance compulsory regardless of classes. As such, by 1888, more working-class people in England and Wales were literate. Tax reforms in the 1850s enable, had enabled the uh, publication of in inexpensive newspapers with uh, wider cir circulation. These mushroomed in the later Victorian era to include mass circulation newspapers, costing as little as half a penny, along with popular magazines such as the Illustrated Police News, which made the Ripper the beneficiary of previously unparalleled publicity. Consequently, the, at the height of the invest investigation, over one million copies of newspapers with extensive coverage devoted to the Whitechapel murders were sold each day. However, many of the articles were sensationalistic and speculative, and false information was regularly printed as fact. In addition, several articles speculating as to the identify of the Ripper alluded to local xenophobic rumors that the perpetrator was either Jewish or foreign. In early September, six days after the murder of Mary Ann Nicholas, the Manchester Guardian reported, Whatever information may be in the possession of the police, they deem it necessary to keep it secret. It is believed that their attention is particularly directed to a notorious character known as Leather Apron. Journalists were frustrated by the unwillingness of the CID to reveal uh, details of their investigation to the public. 
and so resorted to writing reports of questionable versity. Uh, imaginative descriptions of leather apron appeared in the press, but rival journalists dismissed these as a mythical outgrowth of the reporter's fancy. John Pfizer, Pizer, Pizer, I don't know, a local Jew who made footwear from leather, was known by the name Leather Apron and was arrested even though the investigating inspector reported that at present there is no evidence whatsoever against him. He was soon released after the confirmation of his alibis. After the publication of the Dear Boss letter, Jack the Ripper supplanted Leather Apron as the name adopted to the press or by the press and public to describe the killer. The name Jack was already used to describe uh, another fabled London attacker, Spring Heels Jack, who supposedly leaped over walls to strike as a, at his victims and escape as quickly as he came. The invention and adoption of the nickname for a particular killer became standard media practice, with examples such as the Axemen of New Orleans, the Boston Strangler, and the Belt, uh, Beltway Sniper. Exam- uh, examples deprived from Jack the Ripper include the French Ripper, the Dusseldorf Ripper, the Camden Ripper, the Blackout Ripper, Jack the Stripper, uh, Stripper the Yorkshire Ripper, and the Ro- uh, Rosatov Ripper. Sensational press reports combined the fact that no one was ever convicted of the murderers have confused scholarly analysis and created a legend that casts a shadow over later serial killers. The nature of the Ripper murders ha- uh, and the improvised, uh, improvised whatever lifestyle of the victims drew attention to the poor living conditions in the East End and uh, galvan- galvanized public opinion against the overcrowded instantaneous slums. In the two decades after the murders, the worst of the slums were cleared and demolished, but the streets and some buildings survived and the legend of the Ripper is still promoted by the various guided tours of the murder sites and other locations pertaining to the case. For many years, the Ten Bells public house in Commercial Street, which had been frequently uh, frequented by at least one of the canonical Ripper victims, was the focus of such tours. In the immediate aftermath of the murders, the later Jack the Ripper became the children's boogeyman. De- uh, depictions uh, were often phantasmic or monstrous. In the 1920s and 1930s, he was depicted in film d- uh, dressed in everyday clothes as a man with a hidden secret preying on his unsuspecting victims. Atmosphere and evil were suggested through lightning or lighting and effects and shadow play. By the 60s, 1960s, the Ripper had become the symbol of a predatory astrocity. Wow, astros, whatever, astrocity. Aristocracy, sorry, I can't talk anymore. And was more often portrayed in a top hat dressed as a gentleman. The establishment as a whole became the villain, with the Ripper acting as a manifestation of upper class exploitation. The image of Ripper merged with or borrowed symbols from horror stories such as Dracula's cloak, or Victoria's Frankenstein's Victor Jesus Christ Victor Frankenstein's organ harvest. The fictional world of the Ripper confused with multiple genres ranging from Sherlock Holmes to Japanese erotic horror. Jack the Ripper features in hundreds of works of fiction and works with which straddled the boundaries between fact and fiction, including the Ripper letters and a hoax diary. The diary of Jack the Ripper. The Ripper appears in novels, short stories, poems, comic books, games, songs, plays, operas, television programs, and films. More than a hundred nonfiction works deal nonfiction works deal exclusively with Jack the Ripper murderers, making the case one of the most written about in the true crime genre. The tra- uh, term Ripperology was coined by the uh, by Colin Wilson in the 1970s to describe the study of the case by f- professionals and amateurs. 
The periodicals uh, Ripperana, Ripperologist, and Ripper Notes published the, uh, their research. In 2006, a BBC history magazine polled Seek elected Jack the Ripper as the worst Briton in history. In tw- Britain, or in Britain, whatever. In 2015, the Jack the Ripper Museum opened in East London and attracted criticism from both Tower Hamlets, Mayor John Biggs, and protesters. Similar protests occurred in 2021 when the second of the two Jack the Chipper uh, fish and chip shops opened in Greenwich. Uh, with some patrons threatening to boycott the premises. There is no waxwork figure of Jack R- the Ripper at Madame Tussaud's Chamber of Horrors, unlike the numerous murderers of lesser fame, and murderers of lesser fame, in accordance with the policy of not modeling persons whose likeness is unknown. He is instead depicted as a shadow. Thank you for joining me on today's episode of Reason to Talk with Chris Reason. There will be more murder stories to come and much, much more. Follow us on Spotify, Amazon Music, and Apple Podcasts to stay up to date for when new episodes air. Subscribe to Curse Reason Network on YouTube to see more content. Peace and bacon grease.